Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to our 13th Character Evolution Cast episode, everyone. This episode is all about finding inspiration for your characters in your games. But before we get to that, we've got some announcements, including something that we are very excited to announce. <laughs> First up, we are still going to Gen Con. Surprise, surprise. Uh, my games of Chimera are still in submitted status. Uh, also, surprise, surprise. <laughs> I know, surprise, surprise. <laughs> things go a little slow there, uh, but they're they're slowly getting through that huge backlog that they have. Um, and probably within the next week or two, they should be posted. Uh, so uh, we will hopefully be able to update you on those being posted uh, within a couple episodes or so. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a really su- exciting surprise announcement. I'm so excited for this. I know uh-huh. Ryan wrote words for me to say, and I'm not <laughs> going to say them because I'm just still like freaking out over here. I'm very excited. Um, we are going to try and keep this a secret a little bit. We were doing our um, our panel with James D'Amato. We were going to do some exercises from his book. And what we were planning on doing is taking some characters from the show that we've made and doing those exercises. We did it at a catacomb with our Deadlands characters. But we were going to keep mm-hmm. it a secret which characters we were using. However, we can't <laughs> keep it a secret because we have this really cool announcement to make. Mm-hmm. So, as I whack my microphone, I'll cut this out. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Probably I won't. Um, What we were planning on doing was talking about our Spire characters. Mm -hmm. Very recently, Grant also announced that he was going to be at Gen Con, running some playtests of The Heart, um, which it takes place in that world of Spire. And I was very excited that I got a ticket to. And Mm -hmm. I thought, hey, you know what's super cool? Is to just ask things. I always tell people, if you want something, just ask for it. Yeah. Right? So I sent a message to Grant and said, hey, I don't know what you have going on on Thursday or whenever our panel is. Um, if Thursday at 2, it's right here in the notes that Ryan typed up for me that I'm not reading. Um, <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so nervous and I'm so excited. Um, but I reached out and said, hey, we were planning on doing these exercises from James's book. We really wanted to do our Spire characters. And I know that you happen to be at Gen Con. If you are free Thursday at 2, would you like to be on our panel since you also have a character? And he said, that sounds awesome. I will be there. So... Everyone, if you have not yet purchased a ticket to the Character Creation Cast panel with mm-hmm. published author TV's James D'Amato, I would also like to announce that along with James D'Amato, we will also have Grant Howitt, creator of Spire and Honey Heist and Jason Statham's Big Vacation, 
Um, <laughs> he will be on our panel, and I'm so excited. There are still lots of tickets available, so please, 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 if you are around Thursday at 2, check it out. We will mm-hmm. have two very cool guests, and also Ryan and I will be there. So That's true. <laughs> I'm so excited, and I'm so nervous, and I'm like, oh. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> so I re- I'm, I really I'm absolutely prefer- thrilled. But again, this is another one of those. Hey, if you want something, ask for it. The worst people can do is say no, and also they might blow your freaking mind. So, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> I'm and a I little was, bit giddy about this. <laughs> and I, I was I was a little disappointed because I was I, I wouldn't have had any time to actually meet Grant in person, uh, probably at Gen Con and. Uh, so you doing that allows me to meet him and I am over the moon for that too, because he's a pretty cool guy. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. So definitely, (laughs) definitely, please, if you, even if you don't care about our show, which I don't know why you're listening to this cold open, (laughs) if you don't care about our show. Um, but if you do care about Grant Howitt, he will be on our panel. Okay. I'm so excited. Oh. Um, we'll put some links to that in our show notes. Yeah, we will. <laughs> and we'll also announce it on Twitter for people that aren't listening to this who probably don't care that we're going to announce it on Twitter because they didn't listen to any of this. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, do you want to finish doing the rest of this cold open? Oh, that's so fun. Uh, well, you know what else makes us super happy? Maybe not as happy as Grant Howitt being on our panel at Gen Con. Uh, reading your reviews. We currently only have two reviews in the bucket, and actually, after this cold open, we will only have one review. So, if you have a chance, please leave us a rating and review at Apple Podcasts or any of the other sites listed in our show notes. Not only will we love reading them, uh, they will really help us out a great deal in getting this show to more people. Uh, And we'll also read your reviews right here during our cold opens, like we are about to do for... JJJJJRPG from the United States of America from iTunes. They left a review titled Great Podcast. In an ideal world, I would play every single RPG out there, but in reality, that's impossible. I just don't have that kind of time, so I have to be extra judicious with my choice of games. That's why Character Creation Cast has become one of my favorite podcasts. Their informative and in-depth dive into the character creation process of RPGs is a fantastic way to judge whether or not a specific game is for me. I decided to try Traveler and Blaze in the Dark just because of them. On the same note, I don't really like the episodes where the creator of the game is also a guest. They can't be objective or critical of the game they're discussing, so it ends up feeling a lot like a promotion. Most of the episodes are not like that, however, and so most guests are great at pointing out, pointing both what makes a game great, but also what makes it flawed. That makes for the most interesting discussions, in my opinion. I strongly recommend the show. Well, thank you, JJJJJRPG. (laughs) And thank you for the constructive criticism. That's uh, very helpful. I was listening back to our Spire episodes in preparation for this character creation cast panel. Um, Mm -hmm. And I did notice that when we asked Grant what the biggest flaw of the system was, he said, if anything, it's too evocative. (laughs) 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 So, I mean, (laughs) there may be a point to this. (laughs) Yeah, there's... Um, 
I, I think, think that the creators a... can offer like different views on like why mm-hmm. they made those choices that um, some other people can't. But definitely, yeah, they aren't always as objective mm-hmm. as as some of the the podcasters and stuff that we talk to. So I think it, it definitely goes both ways, and I can see that. Um, yeah. If anything, it's it's too evocative. <laughs> 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 all that said, we're still gonna have them on our panel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, with all of that out of the way, please enjoy the episode. Yeah. Welcome to Character Evolution Cast, everyone, a show where we discuss what to do with all those characters we just made. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan, and today my co-host Amelia and I are sitting down to talk about finding inspiration for your characters and your games as a whole. On our regular episodes, you'll notice that we often take inspiration from the game itself or from the people around us in building our characters, but sometimes it isn't that simple. It can take a bit of effort to feel truly connected to the character you're creating. This is especially true when you're considering how you want to play a character in a game, and even more true when you're looking at playing that character for a long time. Mm -hmm. So why do we need inspiration? Uh, Despite the fact that we are making our own characters most of the time, it can be difficult to translate the choices we make in the process, narrative or mechanical, into a sense of who a character is as a person. I think this is something that we've discussed a number of times when we're kind of going mm-hmm. through the process. We've talked about how, it, like that point in character creation where a character goes from a block of stats to feeling like a person. And yeah. I know in my experience, a lot of times it's when you start to pick like flaws for those characters. That's really the, the point where mm-hmm. I start to latch on to like what, what things challenge this person? Like, what are the things that are holding them back from what they really want to do? But I also think that sometimes, even when you've picked those flaws, it's hard to kind of, um, to like mash those in with the mechanics and build this like cohesive person. And a lot of times there are mechanics associated with those disadvantages, Mm -hmm. Um, depending on the game. Sometimes all disadvantages have the same sort of mechanical value. And some Mm -hmm. of them are different and like apply to certain situations or whatever. But I think translating the information that you see onto paper into how you role play a character is really complicated and can kind of take a while. I know I've I think I've talked about it on the show before that I I sometimes have trouble in one shots because I feel like personally, Mm -hmm. even going through the process of like some of the things that we're going to talk about, um, it takes me a little bit to kind of get a feel for who a character is. Mm -hmm. And after the first session, I usually kind of start to get there. But going from this is these are the steps that I've gone through and now I've made this character to. I know who this person is can be really mm-hmm. complicated. And so I think going through the process of pulling from different things and the things that we're going to talk about later to find that inspiration to really make them into a 3D character can be really yeah. helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, it makes me think of the times when I go to conventions and 
when we sit down and play pre-generated characters and mm-hmm. stuff. Those type of characters are, you know, they're there. They're mechanically all done for you. They have a little bit of backstory with them. Um, here it is, go. And you can have a character that you make at home going through the motions of creating all the mechanics and, and maybe it has a little bit of backstory built into the character creation. But then when it gets time to your character's all done, it's all on the paper. Well, who is this person as an actual person? Yeah, I think there's the, there's the sense a lot of times that if you're not playing a pre-generated character, if you went through the process of character creation, that you are immediately feeling a connection with that character. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's always true. And I think right. there's a tendency sometimes to feel kind of frustrated by that and to say like, you know, is it the game? Did I just like not make mm-hmm. a good character? Did I not? And I don't think that is always the case. I think that sometimes it's just that creating that whole picture, it, it hasn't mm-hmm. been done yet. It's like when you read a book and you read one chapter, you know, you have, yeah. a, you've got a description of this person. You kind of have started to see how they interact with the people around them in the world, but that isn't the full character, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think character creation gives us that first chapter of a book yep. and using some of these other other inspiration techniques or whatever you want to call them that we're going to talk about can kind of help you flesh out the rest of that novel. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're coming from a game uh, like D&D where creating the character is almost entirely a mechanical sort of deal where you pick a class, you pick a race, and you roll stats, and then you pick abilities and, and skills and all that sort of stuff. That doesn't exactly tell you much about the character unless you're actively thinking about it in the process. Yeah, there are absolutely games that lend themselves to inspiration and to helping you kind of build that personhood a little bit more than others. There are certain ones that you walk away saying, okay, I have a sense of this person's place in the world and their Mm -hmm. idea of themselves. But there are also lots of games that don't do that. And I think that doesn't necessarily mean that you don't want that in your game. Absolutely. And I think this leads us to another reason that you would want to kind of find that inspiration is that when you are feeling inspired by your character, it can increase your attachment to a game and it can Mm -hmm. make you feel more engaged with what's happening at the table, what's happening in the story, what's happening with the characters around you, depending on how you build those connections. Mm -hmm. I think that feeling attached to your character makes going to sit down and play that game much more fun. I know you and I have oh, talked yeah. before about situations we've been in where we've played characters that we just weren't really feeling. And yeah. like they didn't have that inspiration. We didn't feel attached to them or like particularly mm-hmm. invested in them. And it leads to a gaming experience that is less than ideal. And so exactly. being able to pull from sort of all of these other elements and give yourself an give yourself inspiration and build that attachment and build this full flesh out person can really make your Mm -hmm. gaming experience a lot better. Absolutely. And even when you go to sit down and play this character, when you have all of that inspiration behind you, you'll find that the role playing actually comes easier too. Absolutely. You won't have to struggle to say, well, what will my character think or say in this situation? Uh, You'll be more in that character's head 
when you've had that proper sort of inspiration. Absolutely. And one of the other things that is great about inspiration is when you get those sort of light bulb moments. Mm-hmm. Where everything just are, sort of like clicks into place and you know yeah. what it is that you want and who this is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's an absolutely great feeling. And inspiration, uh, sources of inspiration can definitely help you get to those sorts of moments. Definitely. I've had times where going through character creation, I come away feeling like, okay, I think I've got an okay sense of who this is. And mm-hmm. then as I do a little bit more, um, you know, what James D'Amato calls personal play, um, mm-hmm. doing some of those things by yourself away from the table, you kind of have this moment of like, oh, no, now I get it. And it's not yeah. always like a huge um, directional shift from the character that you built at the table. Mm-hmm. But suddenly it's it like I said, it just sort of clicks into place. It's like things were sort of loosely there. And now it's like, OK, I know what this is everything works the way I want it to. And it's such an awesome feeling. And I've gotten to feel it sometimes on our show. Like we've had those moments of, oh, yes, I know what this is. But it doesn't always come just through the character creation process. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you need that little extra push. So hopefully some of the things that we talk about today can give you a better idea of where to go to seek out some of those things. Mm -hmm. I'll start by saying this is by no means a complete list. Um, These are things that I think Ryan and I have sort of done or things that we've talked to people about and have found to be um, helpful for ourselves or for people around us in games that we've played in. I would love to hear what your thoughts are. If Mm -hmm. there's things that we didn't talk about that have been super helpful to you in making things come together, I would love to hear about them because I'm always really excited to hear how Mm -hmm. people engage with their characters and how people like have those aha moments because i know talking to people and i just started playing in a campaign recently another l5r game um but going through character creation and kind of like looking at things ahead of time like what i want to do and that kind of stuff another player was like oh i know exactly what i want to do i have these three story hooks that I think would be good for a character. So this is character A, character B, character C, and these are their hooks. And right away, like they knew what they wanted to do. And I was like, I have no clue who this person is. I don't Mm -hmm. like, I'm just not like, I'm just not connecting. And it was like, I know that I want to play this class because I think that the mechanics are really cool and I Mm -hmm. like some of the lore around it, but I can't, I just can't like sink my teeth into who this character is. And so starting to go through the processes of some of these inspiration things has been really Mm -hmm. helpful until I finally have a moment of like, aha, I know who this person is. I know what their desire in the world is. I know what their conflicts are and it feels really cool. Um, But like I said, for some people it clicks really fast and for some of us it doesn't. This is always a struggle I have, especially like I said, when it comes to playing a campaign, because I feel like, there's more pressure to get it right. Whereas like yep. one shot, it's like, oh, you know, I'll play it. If it yeah. doesn't work, great. You know, like I tried something new. And in a mm-hmm. campaign, I'm like, no, I have to, I have to it figure has, it out. It has to be perfect right, right? away, right? Well, and not and, and not that character growth doesn't happen, uh-huh. you know, because I think like who a character starts out as at the beginning of a campaign is never who they end as. Yeah. Um, but you do need to have that that solid foundation of like, this is a mm-hmm. character I'm interested in portraying too. So. Yeah, I, I would say that uh, a character is closer to perfect when they have that room for growth. Absolutely. Well. Uh, and when you're starting a campaign, especially, 
uh, it's a lot more important to have uh, room to grow for your character instead of like in a one shot where, you know, it, it's like a cannon. It's just going to go off and break everything and then then it's done. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that having a better grasp on what you want that story to be, like what your kind of long-term goal is for your character, like what is the thing that they strive for? Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing that going in can be really helpful. And so I think taking some of these tips that will give people kind of gives you a better idea, right? Like yeah. helps, like I said, flush them out, make them a three-dimensional person um, and so that you can really – get a better sense of what it is that you're looking for when you sit down. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to go ahead and get into our list. Um, we we have a few big, broad kind of categories and broad ideas. Yeah. <laughs> and so, as you've probably noticed, it's just Ryan and I. Um, yeah. We should have mentioned that at the beginning, probably. <laughs> but, uh, you know, now that you're 15 minutes into this... Um, we haven't introduced a guest. There is no guest. Um, so Ryan and I are just going to kind of chat about how these things have um, worked for us or people mm-hmm. that we know. And um, we will have links to most of it in the show notes um, as best we can. And um, we're just going to talk about how how these things have helped us and how we think that they can help you. Yes. All right. So the first one I want to talk about, this is probably my favorite one, which is why when I did the outline, I put it first mm-hmm. because <laughs> I was typing and it's about me. Um, Pinterest. 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 Uh, I'm, I assume most people know what Pinterest is, whether you've used it or not. I only recently, probably in the last like year, year and a half maybe, started using it for like aesthetic type things. Before mm-hmm. that, I had used it kind of as um, inspiration for like home decor. And like I save a lot of cupcake recipes on there. If you <laughs> look at my Pinterest, there's a lot of cupcakes, um, you know, activities for my kids, craft stuff. Mm-hmm. But I've also started really embracing it for the aesthetic side of things of just like photography and landscapes and art and mm-hmm. things like that. And I've found huge amounts of inspiration. So I'm not sure how much I've talked about this on the show. I know like I talk about my mental health a lot of different Mm -hmm. places. Uh, But one of the, I guess, symptoms of some of my various disorders is that I have sensory processing issues. Mm -hmm. So um, it means that like textures are really weird for me. I'm very particular about them. Sounds are like very overwhelming for me. But along with that comes the fact that visual cues are hugely important to me. Mm-hmm. Colors and looking at textures and things like that are really powerful to me. Yeah. And because of that, I am also a very visual learner and I'm a visual thinker. So mm-hmm. being able to pull photos of things or art of things that kind of has even like the color scheme or patterns or like a rough layout or just something kind of close can help me really visualize what I want something to look like. So for example, mm-hmm. we talked about it when we did our Catacon episode. Yeah. When we sat down to play Descent into Midnight, I looked at Devin and said, what is the color scheme for this game? <laughs> and I then after the game went through and kind of created a Pinterest board uh, that reflected a lot of that color scheme in like underwater settings. And has, that has really helped that game stick with me. 
That's awesome. Um, for an L5R game, I went through and I made because now you can do sections of boards. Um, mm -hmm. I made a board for the game and then I made sections for each character. I made one for like the setting. I made one for like our clan, um, all different kinds of things that are pictures of like landscapes and art and sort of little pieces of information about each character and like little mm -hmm. bits that were important. So like, what does their clothing look like? What are their hobbies? What kind, mm. you know, even just like, how do you feel about them? Um, this comes in handy when you're doing things, and we'll talk about this later on, like commissioning art too, because yeah. you can kind of get an idea of what you want your character to look like. So mm -hmm. in mine, I did a lot of pinning of like, this is the sort of hairstyle that this person wears. This is, you know, like sort of the shape of their face, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it just helps me get a better picture of what that character looks like what that world looks like so that when I sit down at the table I can start describing some of those aspects of things mm -hmm. and have better terminology and a better sense of what it is so rather than sitting down and saying it's blue you know I've yeah. looked up all kinds of pictures of like all these fabrics and things like that so I can say it's like it's a silk and it has like sort of this rippling quality and you know all of these mm -hmm. kinds of things because they're things that I've seen yeah and I will, like I said, we'll put links in there. Um, we have one for our show. I have gone through and painstakingly um, <laughs> for most of our series, 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 series. <laughs> um, I've gone through and I've created boards. So I don't have one for our last mouse guard series yet. Um, but there's a board for the previous ones kind of with aesthetic insp inspiration and mm -hmm. um, just kind of general ideas and things that like felt right to me about yeah. our characters or the setting or the worlds that we created. So you can go through and take a look at those. Um, they're not super hefty, I should say. They all, you know, only have like 10 or 11 pins. I'll mm -hmm. probably keep going as I feel so inclined. But I also, in the show notes, will put links to some of my personal ones that I've made for games that I've played into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I haven't um, gone that all out using <laughs> Pinterest myself. Um, and I, I know some Pinterest super users out there, like my wife, uh, has like thousands of boards and pins and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> um, no, I, I only have dabbled in finding character creation or character art for my characters um, when I was trying to start uh playing heroes unlimited again and palladium fantasy again with my local friends um and i didn't really care to go into those subcategories or anything like that for like you know fantasy humans elves dwarves etc um i just had four boards created uh male fantasy aesthetic female fantasy aesthetic male modern aesthetic female modern aesthetic um, and it was more if they blended the lines, if mm -hmm. a certain character art was more ambiguous, it would go in both boards. Okay. So um, either uh, male, female, ambiguous, it could, could have gone to either of those if it was like pure fantasy. If it was something that was fantasy-esque but could also belong in like a modern superhero campaign, mm -hmm. it would also go in the modern. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I, and I was able to organize the things like basically any way that you want. Yeah. Like I said, I know that some of mine had subboards for like the different characters in the game. So like mm -hmm. I would make them for other players and stuff like that too. Absolutely. Um, and that's the beauty of something like that is you can kind of organize it how you want. Um, mm -hmm. 
but I was just really surprised at like the different things that I found inspiration in too. Ooh, there's so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now if I'm ever going to be like going into like a serious campaign or anything like that, I've got this repository of just character art, different poses, different weapons, different armors, different uh, you know, superhero suits, uh, all sorts of different styles of art. So like, you know, brush strokes and, and actual like, uh, you know, whatever colored pencil, mm-hmm. everything, digital art and all that sort of stuff. Um, so there's just all these blends of aesthetics and I can just scroll through my list of hundreds of photos of this art and be like, well, this kind of looks like my character and this kind of looks like my character. And then I can take those and, and now I've got kind of a good visual of what my character actually more closely looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting when you go into these like huge Pinterest boards through searching and whatnot and just finding everything that you want to get, you know. It's like with- a deep, it's a deep, deep rabbit hole. It's so. Especially because it- now like when you pick one, it'll yep. show like if you scroll a little bit down, it'll be like, here's similar things. And you're uh-huh. like, oh my God, I'll be here forever. Yeah, hundreds and hundreds of similar things. And then you click on one of those and it gives you more similar things. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and what's really cool about that is you can refine a look for your character that way easily too. Be like, well, this kind of looks like my character. Well, I'm going to click it. Well, here's a bunch of things that kind of look like that. Oh, well, this one, two pages down, this one looks more like my character. And then you click into that and now you've got a whole bunch more that probably even more look like what you were picturing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it goes it goes deep. Yeah. Um, but like I said, as a very visual person, that's been hugely helpful to me just because mm-hmm. I like to be able to picture the world that I'm playing and I like to picture the people around me and the, you know, the aesthetic and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And even even just thinking in like color schemes and stuff, you think about like movies. Um, I always go back to I always go back to Shape of Water, if you've ever mm-hmm. seen that movie, that there's very strong color tones in that movie and i try to think of my games sort of in that way too of like Mm -hmm. what are the tones of this game and so going through and just being able to pick pictures that fit that kind of thing and put them in a collection can really Mm -hmm. can really help inspire you and help you figure out exactly what it is that you're looking for yeah and and what's really cool is that pinterest allows you uh, if you don't want like all of your pins to just be wide open to the entire internet, you can actually lock the boards that you want to have mm-hmm. locked, and then only you have access to them. Uh, so if you're pinning like a bunch of character art, and maybe you don't want the rest of your party, you know, looking at stuff that is on your Pinterest boards for like, I don't know, maybe you're a GM that's looking for different NPC type inspiration. I will say when I was doing it for an actual play podcast, um, Mm -hmm. that was a thing. It was like I locked the board because we as a group wanted to be able to pin things. And I, you know, like shared the board with the other members of my group so that they could pin things too if they wanted to. But we didn't want the broader worlds to go and stumble upon my Pinterest board and figure out exactly like what we were up to. So we definitely locked that board. (laughs) Yeah. So it's really cool what you can do with Pinterest. Yeah, absolutely. So – Another really great source of inspiration 
and one that I thoroughly enjoyed doing uh, was uh, playlists, music playlists. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we did this for our Starcross, Starcross characters. And after those playlists were done, it just blew my mind how much, like, how good it felt to listen how to those. How perfectly they fit, right? I like know. when you get those right, it's it's another one of those like light bulb moments, right? Uh-huh. Of, like, oh man, this is perfect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and then when we're we're picking between songs and trying to put them all on the list and everything, and then we're like, oh well, this song's absolutely perfect as well. And then somehow, when the songs were lined up in in order, they kind of told the story, mm-hmm. which was even more cool. So, yeah, playlists of songs that fit your characters or a pairing of characters, uh, like specifically with Starcrossed, we kind of went for what fits the couple. Yeah, that was super easy because there's plenty of love songs and oh. like songs about longing and yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but if you want to do it that fits the tone of the game that you're going for, uh, if it's like peaceful, joyful, or even brooding, um, or dark and gritty, uh, or if you want like a more cinematic feel of the game that you're going for, or super heroic, there's all sorts of different types of songs out there, uh, and like soundtracks for movies, things like that, that you can pull together to give you a really good idea of how your game is going to feel or how your character feels. Um, you could also pick songs that are lyrically tied to the character or the game, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Um, and you can pick songs that maybe they're, it's music that your character likes listening to. Yes. As well, mm-hmm. which is a, a really good way to get into uh, a character's head. Absolutely. I, I think sometimes making playlists can be a little bit challenging, sort of depending on your music tastes and mm-hmm. your your knowledge of music, because it can be difficult to find what you're looking for in your music library. For example, you know, if you're you're playing a fantasy game and your whole music library is old school punk, it's going to maybe be a little <laughs> bit tough. Uh, not speaking from experience at all. Yep. Um, so sometimes that can be a little bit a little bit difficult. Mm-hmm. I I did f- I have had good luck doing things like picking songs, like I said, that are, you know, lyrically appropriate or saying like, this is a sort of theme that feels correct to my character. So playing a game where um, like longing was a really big theme of like wanting something that you cannot have, Mm -hmm. whether that's a person or a job or to leave the place that you're living, whatever that thing is, the sense of longing and kind mm-hmm. of picking up on those themes and then finding songs that are sort of lyrically or emotionally appropriate to that tone can be really yeah. helpful. And you know, we talked several times, lots of times about having that session zero and talking about like mm-hmm. the elevator pitch of the game. But I know one of the things in our sec- uh, session zero document too is also like, what is the tone of this game? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like what are the themes? Are the themes family or you know, revenge or things like Mm -hmm. that. And so once you've kind of discussed some of those too and sort of honed in on where your character fits in that part, finding songs to Mm -hmm. further inspire that can sometimes help you get a little bit better of an idea of who they are. The other thing that I think is really great about playlists is that it's very easy to, it's very easy to collaborate with the other people in your group on this 
project. Mm -hmm. I've done it for a campaign where we just made a playlist and kind of over time just all added songs that we felt were appropriate either to our characters, mm -hmm. to the themes that we wanted to explore in the game, to the tone of the game. Mm -hmm. And it was a weird mishmash of things, but somehow <laughs> it all it all really worked. And I like listened to that playlist nonstop while we were going through that campaign. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of fun you and I collaborated on the Starcross playlist. We went yep. back and forth and said like, hey, this is a song that I think would yeah. fit. I know we talked to other people too and yep. said, these are kind of the the themes that we have going. We said like, we've got these sexy spies and like, they can't be together and it's the Cold War. And yep. you know, we've got these sweet, adorable magic school kids. <laughs> that like, man, they're just doing their best. And you know, uh -huh. the the tones of those playlists overall feel that that way too like if you listen yeah. to the magical school kids one it's a little bit more hopeful and upbeat whereas like the um some of the songs that i put on for that uh sexy spies one were actually from a spotify playlist called femme fatale and so <laughs> like you can pull those tones in and it yeah. really like I, I mean i'm really proud of those playlists i know that we've They're so shared good. them on our twitter a number of times too but if you listen to our star-crossed episodes and then like kind of listen to those playlists. I think that we did a great job kind of mimicking the feel that we wanted of those relationships. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that when you get those playlists right, like anything else, it's like that sort of aha light bulb moment of like, yeah. this is the feeling that I want. And music is really evocative mm -hmm. in in ways that other sources of inspiration sometimes aren't. Because mm -hmm. sometimes it's like, oh, this is the thing that I want to mirror or emulate or something like that where his music yep. has this really evocative quality and sort of like in some ways is very visceral mm -hmm. and so i think having a playlist for your game for your character whatever and like mm -hmm. i said especially if you can get your group to kind of collaborate on that and it becomes like a like a project and something that you can all mm -hmm. walk away with too oh, um, yeah. as a shared memory of this situation can be really mm -hmm. really valuable yeah, and I remember growing up when I, whenever I role played with my friends, we would always play music during the sessions mm -hmm. as well. Um, and we we even got it to a point where we had a fifty-one disc CD changer, nice, and just loaded it up completely and hit random, and we loaded it up with like CDs that that fit the tone of the game that we were going for. Um, and so having this on in the background, you know, quiet enough that we could still hear it, but you know, where we could actually talk amongst one another, uh, it was really, really a great aesthetic. So utilizing, uh, playlists during your game, uh, is a really great way to set the mood for the game and set, set the mood for the feelings that you'll be kind of experiencing through your sessions. Um, and adding some background music can definitely set the atmosphere for a game. Um, we were mostly playing superhero games, so we had a lot of modern sort mm -hmm. of music, uh, and a lot of songs that we cared about and everything. Uh, but we also created mixed CDs for our characters. Mm -hmm. Every, every player got to choose two songs to throw onto the mix CD. So this one special CD actually had an array of songs that was particularly geared towards our group of characters, which is really cool. Yeah. And I know that like having some kind of background music or something like that sort of tonally fits what you want to go with can also really lend to that immersive experience too. Yeah. It can make you, it, it sort of, 
sets the tone in the room too, mm-hmm. not just of the game itself or talking about like themes or something like that, but it can actually physically in the room that you're in say, you know, cause like you you think about movies and stuff and you know, yep. when there starts to be that ominous music, you sort of start to tense up, you yep. know, like there's a reason that movies have soundtracks. It's to help us feel those feelings. Yep. And so doing something like that for your game can help you feel those feelings and help you feel more immersed in the game too, mm-hmm. on top of leading to some inspiration for your character and saying like, okay, now I have a sense of the things that they want and who they are as a person, or like you said, like the music that they like yeah. or any of those kinds of things. Exactly. And, you know, I think if you collaborate with people on a playlist too, you can sometimes just discover new music. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just fun for the sake of fun. And, That's very true. you know, I think that there's a lot of advantages to doing something like that. Mm-hmm. And again, it's a physical thing that you can all walk away with too. You know, that playlist exactly. is, you know, on YouTube or Spotify, or if you want to make a mixtape or, yep. you know, or a mix CD, CD or yep. whatever, whatever <laughs> medium you want to use, that's, you know, sort of a more physical thing. I've talked about that a number of times too. I keep mm-hmm. saying that in this episode. These are things I've talked about before. But the fact <laughs> that, you know, you walk away with that shared experience, but this is sort of something more tangible to yeah. recognize that experience with too. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be anything as elaborate. Like uh, some, some GMs out there kind of go all out with mm-hmm. music where they actually uh queue up different songs and different like tones for the different scenes mm-hmm. and then they go into playing like okay we're about to hit this big battle and then the music's nice and quiet and then the battle happens and now it's all super exciting and and throughout the whole battle there's this epic music going on and then afterwards it kind of fades into you know like a denouement sort of feel to it and you don't have to actively be a dj <laughs> to have this music on in the background. No. Um, uh, if you're capable of doing that, that's really cool. And I don't know of many GMs that have the ability to multitask at that level. Mm-hmm. But um, just having a bunch of songs on in the background, it doesn't matter when the songs come up. It, it adds a lot to the feel to the game. And, and I think it's a pretty cool experience. Yeah, and I like using it too, just as a way to kind of keep yourself engaged with a game between sessions too. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really nice thing about that music is to sort of keep you in touch with that character or the game yeah. that you're playing and the story, whatever, like between sessions. And I would use mm-hmm. them sometimes to just sort of like, I don't want to say like get amped up or something like that, yeah. but just sort of like get excited about the game because sometimes after a long day, you're like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's a game day, but like I'm so tired and you know, but yeah. like it can help you stay engaged in between things. And I think the, the cool thing about something like a playlist is that you can go as deep or as shallow mm-hmm. as you want. You know, if you want 10 songs that are like, this is how my character feels, great. If you mm-hmm. want a full cinematic soundscape, you go for it. Go you do for you. It. You do, do the, you. Do the thing. Absolutely. <laughs> so I think that it's, there's a lot there. There's a lot that can be done with them. Mm-hmm. Another cool thing that you can do to gain inspiration, and this is a thing that I've seen in a lot of books themselves, a thing that role-playing games themselves often suggest, Mm -hmm. is sort of engaging with genre media. Yeah. Uh, You know, I'm going to – you know, I'm not even going to apologize for it anymore. L5R. uh, (laughs) For sure in the fourth edition book. I think in the fifth edition book too. I'd have to double check. But for sure in the fourth edition book, there is a list of – books and movies that are suggested reading and suggested watching if you want to understand 
what this setting is about. And not every game has that. Some do, some don't. But it's a really good way to kind of figure out the tone of a game, to figure out what a character might look like or the world around them might look like, how characters interact with each other in those mm-hmm. settings. Because different times, different settings, different worlds, people interact with each other differently. The social mm-hmm. cues are different and the, you know, the stigmas and things like that. And so kind of engaging in some of that media can help you get a better sense of what this might look like and how your character would fit into a world like that too. Mm-hmm. I think this is something that also can be done kind of whenever you're creating your character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you are sort of lost on your concept and don't really know what a character in this setting should look like, uh, like maybe it's uh, your first time playing a vampire game or your first time playing uh, a superhero game or a fantasy game or something like that, and you're not familiar with the genre... You can try reading books or watching movies in a similar setting, um, and you might get an idea of the challenges that certain characters face in those sorts of stories. Uh, There's tropes for a reason. Tropes in genre is something that uh, basically is seen time and time again between different pieces of media of the same genre. That's why they call them tropes is because they're repeated. Tried and true. (laughs) Tried and true. Yeah, they they work for that type of genre because when you utilize A, B, and C tropes, you get a sort of feel that that genre is going for. Well, and Uh, often genres are made up of those kinds of tropes. You say this this trope makes it is how we know it fits into this genre, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, and we can get into like a whole discussion about like – film analysis and things like that so like don't come at me <laughs> with my with my hot trope takes hot but trope those takes. are <laughs> hot trope takes but those are an important part of what makes that genre that genre you know mm-hmm. like the thing about superheroes is we know that there there has to be a villain there has to be something that they're fighting against it mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily have to be like a person it can be some you know, catastrophe, or it mm-hmm. can be some societal ill or something like that. But they, they have to be fighting against something, and it has to be something that is either equally powerful or more powerful than them. Mm-hmm. There has to be that thing that they they will overcome in a fight. And, you know, so each genre has those kinds of things. And then you can decide how your character works within those tropes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not to say that you can't play a superhero game where you're literally just playing slice of life superheroes with nothing to fight against. That would be super interesting, but it's always with a backdrop of they have either fought against something in the past or there's something that they will be fighting in the future Um, because that's superheroes. Right. And then because you've established what those tropes are, the, the thing that I really like about playing with tropes is that you can decide, do I want to really lean into it? Do I really mm-hmm. want to go all out and say, like, this character is all about fighting their nemesis? Yeah. That is that is the thing that they get up in the morning to do. 
Or do you want to kind of play against those tropes and say, it is a slice of life thing. This character, like this hero just wants to live their life and this villain is just obnoxious and like they don't want to deal with it, but they have to, Mm -hmm. you know? And so you can kind of play with those tropes and say, like I said, where do I fit in with these things? Do I want to lean really heavily into it? Does that trope sort of define my character arc and the trajectory of this story? Or is that something that I want to push against and say, here's how I'm unique. Here's how my story is different. Yes. And regardless of whether you're going with or against the trope, the trope is still kind of technically defining that character. Absolutely. I think another way to use this kind of media is when you already have a character concept in mind, you can use it to kind of flesh things out mm-hmm. and to gather more details about your character or get a better sense of how they fit into that world. I know I've played games where I've said, here's the kind of character that I want to play. Here's kind of what I think their personality is. And I have mm-hmm. a really good sense of that. What I don't have a sense of is what is their story? Like, what does this person want? What does their arc look like? Like, mm-hmm. what do I, at the end of the game, where do I want this person to be? Or where does this person think that their life is going? Yeah. Because obviously, you don't, none of us really know, like, where life will take us. Mm-hmm. But we all do have that ideal of, you know, here's here's my life plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, as detailed as it may or may not be. But what I've done in the past is, said, okay, I have this personality. Mm-hmm. Where in media do I see a person that looks kind of like that, that has similar personality traits or quirks or qualities? Mm-hmm. What kind of stories are they telling? What are their kinds of trajectories? Yeah. And does that match something that I want for my character? And you know, you won't always find something specific or exact, but you can kind of manipulate those things and say, okay, I see, I see pieces there. Mm -hmm. So in this particular case, I was playing a character who was sort of very self-absorbed and, you know, really just wanted to like make a name for themselves and really was about sort of the superficial things. And when I looked at it, I realized that a really good analog for that was Sansa Stark. Mm. And so I said, like, okay, I really like where her character story goes. I really like the trajectory that she's mm-hmm. on. Like, by the end, she is this really powerful person who's learned a lot about herself, but is still ultimately very much that person that she was at the beginning, but she has grown. Yeah. You know, she's not completely changed, but she's grown. And so I've said that that's the kind of arc that I want this character to have. Mm-hmm. I want her to get knocked down several times and have to realize that, like, it's not all about you. Mm-hmm. And so... I already had the skeleton of what I wanted that character to be, but now I could say, this is how I want them to interact with the world. And this is the kind of story that I want to tell with this character. Mm -hmm. And so looking at media can kind of help you find those things. And even if it's not that same genre, because in this case it wasn't, Mm -hmm. um, but you can still pull from other pieces of media and say, okay, this is, this is something that kind of matches up with what I want. And it gives me a better idea of something that I can or cannot do. Absolutely. And one of the other cool things you can do to flesh out the details is when you have a character type in mind, but you don't know how to picture kind of what people of that era or whatever do on a normal basis as this character type, or um, maybe you're playing a rogue and you want to know what kind of like a rogue looks like when they're doing rogue things. 
Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's media out there with, uh, you know, fantasy rogue types picking locks, you know, sneaking around, wearing cool uh, outfits that make them look all suave and fancy. <laughs> you know, all sorts of cool little things that you can find in different pieces of media that you can pull together and say, okay, now I can kind of picture how this world looks. And I can picture kind of how the weapons look. And I can picture how the stuff that people wear look and how certain character types work with those sorts of materials in this sort of time setting. So that way you can, you can actually picture everything a lot better. I think another thing that you can do with it is kind of pick up on some personality traits because even if you have a sense of what you want your character to be, that doesn't mean that I as a person know how to role play that. Right. Mm -hmm. So like I could say that I want to have this really sexy femme fatale kind of character I'm super awkward. Like <laughs> I I try to be really, you know, charismatic and things like that, but if I had to sit down at a table and play like a sexy femme fatale, I would still be really awkward about it. Mm-hmm. I you know, but I can sit down and watch a movie like that and say, "Okay. Okay, you know, like I can watch, you know, the the body language can help me give an idea of like how to describe this character mm-hmm. in scenes and you know, listening to the way that they talk and the things that they say and how they interact with the people around them can kind of give me a sense of like, this is what that kind of person would do. This mm-hmm. is what that kind of person might say. Whereas, you know, Amelia would like stand and wave awkwardly and then yep. just kind of wait for someone else to talk to her. <laughs> you know, you can have somebody else that sort of sashays up to the bar yep. and like, you know, says some cool, uh, super sexy line that I can't think of right now because that's not who Amelia is as a person. (laughs) But it can kind of help give you inspiration and Mm -hmm. give you some of the, I I don't want to say confidence because it doesn't necessarily translate into you feeling more confident about that, but sometimes knowledge is power, Mm -hmm. right? And so you can say, I I know what this kind of character would do because Mm -hmm. I've watched them do it over and over again. I've watched 25 spy movies. I now know what a James Bond type would do. And now I know how to emulate that because I've watched it. Absolutely. And instead of saying, my character says something sexy and funny right now, I can maybe have that line. Yeah. And even if you take direct lines from movies, you know, that's perfectly fine. Oh, yeah. I mean, we all sit around and quote movies all the time. Who says Uh it can't be in character? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if it's a movie that everybody likes and everybody knows at the table, then that just adds a little bit more fun as well. Absolutely. Awesome. So the next piece of inspiration uh i talked a little bit about this before with our pinterest uh character art and that kind of goes hand in hand with a subset of what you can use pinterest for Mm -hmm. um and we we mentioned it briefly um but looking at character art for inspiration can be extremely helpful uh it can help you narrow down things that you do and and really don't like in a character and kind of uh, the, the kind of feel that you're going for, for that character. Absolutely. There are albums full of character art inspiration on the internet. You can find them on Pinterest. You can find them on um, like on Reddit. I know I've seen links to like full albums and mm-hmm. things. I know all over the place. Um, and sometimes just browsing through can help you get a sense of what you want. And sometimes just clarifying what your character isn't can be really helpful mm-hmm. because I've 
you know, I, I'm a person that suffers from analysis paralysis, mm. where it's just like the plethora of information in front of me is too much and I just can't. Yeah. And so sometimes being able to just narrow things down and say, well, it's definitely not that mm-hmm. is enough to start that is that brain process to start thinking through like, okay, well, if I know that this character doesn't, you know, isn't a redhead, doesn't have freckles, whatever, yeah. I've, I've narrowed it down at least somewhat. Yep. And so you can start to figure things out and kind of get a grasp on what this person looks like. And I really do, again, I am a very visual person, but I really do think that having an idea of what a character looks like really helps you inhabit them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, one of the things that you want to keep in mind is uh, if you're going for a certain, uh, I guess I want to say maturity level Mm -hmm. for your character, uh, it's really easy to dive into some of these boards and get into some really uh, not really family friendly sort of stuff. So you got to be a little careful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Ryan, everyone who listens to this show has been on the internet. I know. They know what's on the internet. They don't need your content warning. <laughs> no, I'm just saying um, it's really easy to go down these rabbit holes of all these different character types and then get kind of pigeonholed into a bunch of stuff that you're not looking for. If you want more realistic type character art, you there are specific boards out there that have specifically... Like, this is realistic armor that women would have worn back in the the medieval times versus this is what people think is sexy armor, you know, comparatively. So if you want a more realistic view of what your characters can look like, uh, you definitely have a lot of options out there to go to those boards that, that are more historically accurate. Fair. That's, that's all I was trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but another thing you can do for character art is you can also consider commissioning an artist. Um, Absolutely. If you have at least an idea, a general sense of what your character looks like, there are a lot of artists out there that uh, can take inspiration from either pictures, if you have pictures that you were inspired by for your character, um, if you have specific descriptions, those are great for artists. But sometimes artists that you work with will just say, give me as much detail as you can. And if you want, I can roll with the rest of it and give you my interpretation of what I'm thinking. And Absolutely. Something and I like- think that's a cool thing about artists too is that they often think in ways that you know us Mm -hmm. non-artists do not and the couple times that i've been able to commission character art has come back and it's been like wow i didn't even like how did you know that i wanted that because i didn't know i wanted that you know (laughs) (laughs) i mean and i've i've only been able to do it a couple times but every time i've done it i've just been like blown away and like absolutely floored because it's like Mm -hmm. you you captured exactly what I wanted. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I've been able to kind of give descriptions and sometimes some inspiration pictures and things like that. But what they come back with is so much more cohesive and whole than like the, you know, 
couple of little inspiration photos of haircuts yep. that I sent, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, here's a Target ad of the, the kind of sweatshirt I'm uh-huh. wearing. Like, like, how did you make that into a person? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I recently commissioned um, a character from the Edifice series yes. that we did. Oh, my gosh, it's so um, good. Oh, it is so good. And, like, literally, I had very little to go off with this person's look. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, uh, if if you're not familiar, her name was Iridescent or Iriana Descents. Mm-hmm. Um, Eerie for short because she's a musical performer. Um, she wears an iridescent dress, right? Mm-hmm. And she has some sort of old tech instrument. That's about all the description that I could glean from our episodes. Right, and we didn't even really talk about like what old tech looks like. Exactly. You know? Um, and so I, I gave the artist um, uh, that description plus a little bit of the backstory. And I found um, a picture. I was looking for like, quote unquote, alien instruments, right? Yeah. And I found a picture of one of the instruments that they used on Star Trek The Next Generation. Nice. Which was like this weird looking loot sort of thing. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking, well, this looks kind of what I was slightly picturing. Mm-hmm. So I gave that image to her, and it, the, she just knocked it out of the park. Like, yeah, absolutely. it was absolutely amazing. Yeah, I think we'll put a link to that in the the show notes as well, because uh, it was just remarkable what she came up with. And uh, when you, even if you have just like bare minimum details for your character, and mm-hmm. you can afford to get it commissioned, uh, go ahead and do that because that will definitely help inspire what you picture your character as. Absolutely. And I think, you know, speaking of our Edifice series, Devin is the one who's done two of my three pieces of character art Uh and has absolutely, again, knocked it out of the park. She's like brilliant. I would have Devin draw every character I make for the rest (laughs) of my life. Um, But I think that often we think of, character art is kind of being out of the price range too of like mm-hmm. something that it's like oh that's for that's for fancy people yeah. and you know it can be it can be very expensive depending on how much detail you want and what kind of artist you go with and all that kind of stuff i mean there are so many brilliant artists out there on twitter and maybe we'll yep. start a thread for some of them to like plug their stuff because i think I, like character art is phenomenal and mm-hmm. i've only recently started to to be able to do that and it has it has totally changed how i look at my games and how i look at my characters and again a tangible thing that you can walk away from the game with it's it feels really good to be able to have that that visualization of what your character looks like so i think you know even if it is just like a quick pencil sketch or Mm -hmm. something like that you know if you can find an artist and you can kind of give them a description and like absolutely 100 percent, go for it like do it i i mean i cannot recommend it enough and also support artists man Mm -hmm. you know like i said i think that lots of times Mm -hmm. they have sales and lots of times you know there there are lots of opportunities and like i said i think artists also have a variety of price ranges too because mm-hmm. they know not everybody can afford you know a beautiful 200 dollars painted oh, portrait exactly. but a lot of them will have an opportunity to do like a line sketch or something mm-hmm. like that and even that is a really great i've seen those way. at really good prices so yes yeah. absolutely and so i strongly encourage you know and even if it's like a one-time thing it's you know mm-hmm. so you can support a really cool artist you can get really cool character art mm-hmm. i strongly recommend it 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's it it pretty much is transformative for picturing your character when you aren't just looking at other people's interpretations of other people's characters. Absolutely. You're looking at an interpretation of your character. It's so much more personal. It's it's mind-blowing. Yeah, it's I mean, like oh, it's incredible. Do it. Yes. <laughs> um our next category is something that we've <laughs> we've plugged several times. Um, character building exercises and <laughs> you know, what we briefly talked about is personal play. Uh-huh. Um, hey, did y'all know there are books for this? Yeah, there are. <laughs> uh, a well-known podcaster, TV's James D'Amato, published author, TV's James D'Amato, has a book of character building exercises. I don't know if we've mentioned it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, if you have... The one, if you're a one shot Patreon backer at the, I think it's like $5 level, mm-hmm. um, in the secret archive, you can hear our Acaticon live panel where we did some exercises with James mm-hmm. from our Deadlands characters. We learned a lot more about Dirge Stranglethorn. Yep. Um, he loves murdering and a feeling things. Yeah, it's true. But, um, also I remembered today the day we are recording and I'll put a link to the show notes, (laughs) link to it in the show notes that there is also a YouTube video um, where myself, James and Steve Descant of the Mm -hmm. session zero podcast sat down and did some of the exercises with James on the one shot Twitch stream, Mm -hmm. which is now archived on YouTube. So you can hear us do some of those kinds of exercises too. Yeah. But little simple activities like the ones in that book and there are lots of books out there um if you're tired of us you know plugging james's stuff even though it's (laughs) i mean it is really great i have the book um it it can help you flesh out those little details and honestly doing some of those exercises really made me consider things about my character that i hadn't even thought of yeah yeah it's it's interesting um when you go through those sorts of things in in a book and you're like well this is kind of my type of character let's see what sort of cool exercises there are for this. Then you just start fleshing out details and then those kind of steamroll into other details that steamroll into other details. And you can get to a point where you're fleshing out this character's backstory so much that you know so much about them and how they will play as a character and as a character in a group. Well, and like I said, in ways that you don't even think of, mm-hmm. because I think back to that Akatacon panel. And by the way, if you're coming to Gen Con, we will be doing another one of these panels. Uh-huh. Uh, this is what our character creation cast panel will be. Um, but James had you do that one about like Wolverine. And it was like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have even thought of the comparison between Dirge Stranglethorn and Wolverine. No, absolutely not. Right? Like I wouldn't have even thought about that. But the whole the whole concept of it was like, you know, I'm a loner who's never alone. Yep. Right. You know, and so like all of these exercises to sort of talk about like why you push people away, but also why you really want them there. Mm-hmm. And it it really brought a lot of depth to that character that we'd originally just thought of as like, I like murdering yeah. and that's why I'm alone, you know. Yeah, like, he was very two-dimensional before we all started that. Absolutely. And we know so much more uh-huh. about him now. Um, but I mean – it, like I said, it really helps you think about things that you didn't think about before. You mm-hmm. know, for my character, we did a stupid exercise about, like, what kind of horse do you have? Yep. You know, like, is your horse fast? Is it reliable? Is it, <laughs> you know, but these are all things that, like, probably would come up in that kind of game. Uh-huh. But I hadn't even thought to really flesh out other than my horse nightmares. Yep, horse and nightmares. so, horse nightmares. <laughs> 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 Poor Arthur. Um, uh. 
<laughs> but doing that kind of stuff can really help you get a grasp of who they are and where they come from and why they do the things that they do, which I thought was a really cool and interesting piece of what we did with Dirge was, you know, why is he alone or why does he push people away? What is it that he really wants? Why why does he always work alone, but also have this whole team around him that are definitely mm-hmm. not his team? He's not here with them, but they're always <laughs> there. And But those are really key details that definitely would come up in a game because you are doing things as a group. Mm-hmm. You know, so we need to know why he's a loner, but why he's never alone. Exactly. And so, but those aren't things that I would have even thought to to like map out, mm-hmm. you know? So I think doing those kinds of exercises, if you can find them, I'm sure that there are lots of them on the internet, but like I said, we'll, we'll plug James's book again because it, it really does have a lot of good stuff in mm-hmm. it. Um, and so you can really get a cool idea of who this person is and especially how they interact with the other people around them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Another thing that I think has been helpful for a lot of people, and I've kind of dabbled in a little bit, is just writing a character backstory. Mm-hmm. I don't personally don't necessarily suggest writing a ton of backstory. It can be helpful to sort of suss out your character's motivations. Mm-hmm. Now, this is my personal favorite method for getting to know a character that I make. Um, I've used this for almost every single character that I've done for a campaign, um, Mm -hmm. is write a, a, I want to say quick, but it's usually like seven to 40 pages. Seven to 40. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you ever listen to, I don't know how much you listen to campaign, but that's like one of my favorite running jokes of the Skyjack stuff is that their, their ship has somewhere between 12 and 800, uh, crew members. (laughs) And that's what this feels like. Seven to 40 pages. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's pretty much like that. Um, <laughs> but it, it was almost always more for me to get into the character a little bit better. Um, mm-hmm. And it was usually uh, about their backstory of how they became what they are now, uh, especially mm-hmm. because I, I dabble in superhero role playing a lot. Um, right. But this sort of thing can be a little complicated because you don't want to ask your GM to read like 30 pages of backstory. Yeah, uh, this is where I get hung up on this kind of stuff. Is like, don't hand your GM a book. I, yeah. I always hesitate to like give people... We have a whole show about player advice, but I hesitate to give people uh-huh. advice. <laughs> I don't want to give you like strong, definitely don't do this, other uh-huh. than like, don't be a creep. But I, I don't suggest giving your GM 30 pages yeah. of info to read because like... It's kind of just a crappy thing to do. Like, yeah. they're already running your game and plotting out your whole game. Don't <laughs> give them homework. Now, it can be entertaining, though. Uh, and as just a purely, like, you don't have to read this, but if you do, you might enjoy it sort of thing. It's a fun fanfic exercise. Yeah, I mean, there certainly are GMs that probably really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. I just, my thought is, like, you can offer it, but, like, yeah. don't. Don't expect it to be Don't canon. be offended if they don't. Exactly. <laughs> Um, cause GMs are busy, you know, right. they're, they're, they're plan- plotting the rest of your game. <laughs> they are. They're plotting the rest of your game. They're, they're plotting how these one to X number of characters are going to all blend their stories together. Right. And not only that, they're also thinking on how to react on the fly when they're playing the game. Now right. a, a story can possibly get into the character's heads a little bit more for your GM. Um, but if every 
player in a five player group has a 30 page story. That's 150 pages that this person has to read. Right. That's a lot. Uncool. Uncool. So (laughs) it's generally best when you're giving like backstory details to your GM uh, to, to do bullet points of the important pieces that they need to know about. Um, Yeah. And maybe that'll give them inspiration for NPCs or organizations or whatever that they can use in stories uh, to directly engage your character. But maybe you can write a story for yourself and then make bullet points based off of that. I think that's perfectly acceptable if you have the time to do that. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that can give some cool story hooks for the GM to kind of pull on. And I think that it can make you feel more engaged in the game because it is a little bit more tailored to you as opposed to like making your character off in the corner, mm-hmm. coming to the table and then like hoping that the GM can prepare something for these six disparate backstories that you've all come up with that you mm-hmm. didn't really tell them about, but you had this expectation, you know. Yeah. So, I mean kind of having those bullet points definitely can be helpful for a GM. And I think some GMs do really want that and is a really valuable piece of a session zero too, is that mm-hmm. they can get an idea of when you create this character, they can start to see, okay, these are the things that you've latched onto. These are the yes. themes that seem to be important. And so giving them a little bit more info on a backstory can definitely be helpful. Just don't, you know, like be flexible, man. Yep. Don't, don't <laughs> overwhelm your GM. That's probably a good idea. Yeah, yeah. that's generally like a good piece of advice uh, to your GM. Yeah. I think the other the other cautionary piece of advice I would give about backstories is to not necessarily get really attached to those specific details. Mm-hmm. I, this is a thing that it varies table by table, but in my experience playing games and the way that I prefer to play games is that if it hasn't come up at the table, it is not canon. Mm-hmm. And so you can have all of these ideas about what you want your character to be and where they came from and all of that kind of stuff, but that may not be how things play out. It may not be the direction that the rest of the players want to go in. It mm-hmm. may not be a thing that ever gets addressed in that story. And so if it's something that you become really attached to while doing this personal play process, it can sometimes feel really disappointing when you walk away from the table mm-hmm. kind of unfulfilled. And so I always encourage people to kind of be flexible, leave some of that stuff a little bit nebulous. Mm-hmm. If you want to write your 30 page, 40 page, 100 page backstory, you know, like, and you want that to be your fanfic around your character, that's totally okay. But I strongly recommend that you recognize it mm-hmm. as like a, as a fanfic and sort of like a non-canon thing yep. because it didn't happen in the game and the game may not play out that way. The GM mm-hmm. may have a story in mind and, you know, all of a sudden these details come out and you want to say, oh, it'd be really cool if that was tied to my backstory mm-hmm. or, you know, here's this person from my past. Well, that's not how I wrote them in my backstory. Mm-hmm. That's that can feel kind of bad. And so I always sort of suggest to leave it nebulous and not mm-hmm. get super attached to it, because I think that that can sometimes be disappointing. But on the other hand, if that's a thing that's really important to you, go for it. Yeah, you do you. Yeah, and another really cool thing that I like to do personally is write journals in my character's voice as the game progresses. That's Uh, cool. I I really like um, going first person with it. Mm -hmm. And as if they are sitting down after a session and writing out the events of what happened and kind of how they processed it in those moments. Oh, that's really cool. And then... 
not only do I have then have a record of our sessions, I have a record of our sessions in character voice in this narrative format that I can look back on later and be like, well, that, that was a cool scene and now I have it written down here. Yeah. That's really neat. And it gives you like a little bit more ability to say, here's what like my character thought about it too. Yeah. Not just how they acted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I did that for the first session of my new D and D group campaign that Mm -hmm. I'm playing in. And it, it went over really well. And then I tried to keep up on it and life just keeps getting in the way at this point. So stupid adults. I know. Seriously. So, (laughs) so I haven't actually been able to, to keep up on it. We're about like four or five sessions in and, um, I'm about, uh, three or four sessions behind on it. There's still time. There's still time. I've got notes and a fairly okay memory. So maybe I can get to it. Yeah. We'll see. But, uh, I guess the, the final Piece of for inspiration this episode, for anyway. this episode that we could think of, um, and we didn't want to make this episode too too long, um, is closet cosplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is a concept that kind of came up a little bit in our AP lessons learned episode for bringing lessons from actual plays uh, to your home group, um, where we don't have we don't all have closets full of costumes, right? that we can just put on for our games. Um, some people do cosplay for a living and they could probably just kill it at cosplaying at the table if they really wanted to. But for most of us, uh, depending on the character or the game that you're playing, uh, it might not even be appropriate to, to do cosplay at, at that level for it. Uh, but sometimes you can pull little things from your closet to simulate the feel of your character. Yeah, I think that if you are a woman who is trying to play a, a man or mm. even like a more masculine character, you can try and dress a little bit more masculine. Mm-hmm. You can kind of, you know, so coming to the table, if I'm sitting down to play a man, you know, coming here in like my sundress is is fine. You know, like that works. But sometimes like putting on jeans and a t-shirt and a hoodie can like sort of change how you feel. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm a big believer in like dressing how you feel or dressing how you want to feel. Mm-hmm. And so I think kind of doing that also for your character can help you just sort of get into their skin a little bit more. And this isn't so much you know advice for character creation or you know something like that, like some of our other stuff was, but yeah. this is definitely more for like sitting down at the table and playing your character and sort of getting into their skin and adding to that immersion. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you're playing a big fighter, you can go in the back of the closet and find those really heavy boots that you have back there. You know, if you are playing, you know, a druid or something, man, just take your shoes off. Like, yep. <laughs> do, you know, <laughs> just go barefoot um, for a while. Yeah. Find that flower crown wreath or whatever that you wore to your sister's graduation party. Mm-hmm. Put that in your hair. You can, it can just sort of help you feel a little bit more grounded in that character and immersed in that situation. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be big stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also if you're, if you're big into Halloween, like I am, uh, you, <laughs> You might have a ton of stuff in a chest in your basement of all your Halloween stuff uh, for different costumes and, and whatnot that you, you generally only wear at Halloween. Um, so you can maybe have like a prop sword if you're playing in a fantasy game and you're playing a person that uses a sword. Maybe you can just have that 
either either on your person or uh, on the table, just to to give you that little bit of inspiration, um, or maybe a cloak or something like a a circlet or a bracelet that that when you wear it, uh, you're gonna feel more like your character. You're gonna feel more in character, more in their shoes, uh, because it's something that either your character would want to wear or actually does wear in the game. And just, yeah, it's sort of a physical reminder of this yeah, imaginary situation. Yeah, having that physical connection to your character can be really powerful, um, especially, you know, in certain circumstances. Um, like, I, I think there was an, even an example in the AP episode when somebody talked, they always had, like, a hat or something that they were holding. And yes. It was actually because the character, when they talked, they would talk holding and reining a hat. And then eventually it got to a point where the hat wasn't there anymore, but they would still make the, the motions with their hands and it would still connect them with that sort of character. Yeah, it can kind of, like I said, just be something that sort of grounds you in that situation. And I find that kind of stuff can be really helpful, especially when you're playing remotely. Yeah. Because I'm a person that sort of... I tend to feed off of the mood of the room and like the people around me. Yep. And when I don't have that at the table connection, sometimes it can be a little bit harder to feel engaged in what's happening mm -hmm. and really like present. And so sometimes those physical reminders can be like, oh, yes, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm here for. This is who I am being right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'd be willing to bet that uh, especially this sort of advice getting into character through these sorts of props and whatnot can really be uh learned about a lot from like a larp community yeah uh most uh most cities and even uh small towns or whatever are getting into these local larp communities if there's a gaming community at all where you are chances are there's a larp community as well and most likely will be welcome to giving out suggestions on how to better getting character through these sorts of things uh, because they do it all the time. And I'd be willing to bet that not everybody in their crew is able to afford the best things all the time. Right. Yeah. Not everybody can do top of the line cosplay all the time. And it's, I mean, and I think the point of this too is that it's not necessary always exactly. to go all out. And sometimes like if you're sitting at a table, like sometimes that's not comfortable. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to be wearing a full suit of armor while I'm sitting yep. down to play my D&D &D game for six hours. Exactly. But kind of having those little reminders uh, mm -hmm. to help you just kind of feel that way yeah. can be really helpful. Well, and it even extends to dice. A lot of people have specific dice sets for specific characters, and only that character uses those dice. Yeah, we don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> Not recently, anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we got to get back on that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, hopefully, we've given a lot of advice. This episode ended up longer than I thought it would. Mm -hmm. um, but hopefully, in in all of this, Everybody can kind of find something that works for them or, you know, some kind of play on these things. And I strongly encourage you to pick one and give it a try. Mm -hmm. I think that all of these have value sort of in their own ways and, you know, like anything else, not everything's for everybody, but I, I do strongly encourage you to give one of them a try. And if you do something else for inspiration that we didn't talk about here, please let us know. I would really love to hear where y'all draw your inspiration for your characters and your games and your gameplay. Mm -hmm. I 
I love hearing about this kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, you can hit us up on our Twitter or or send us an email or whatever. Uh, we're always willing to listen and, and talk with all of you about all this sort of stuff. And if you have questions, hey, hit us up and we'll see if we can find the answers for you. Definitely. And like I've said several times, check out our show notes because I put a lot of links in there yeah. to our playlists and Pinterest boards and all that kind of stuff. So I think that you can hopefully out of all of that find something that helps you out because i I really think that there's a lot of opportunity to just really up your experience Mm -hmm. here and let us know if it does because we would absolutely love to hear that too absolutely yeah if you try any of these things or have tried any of these things and they've really just wowed you please let us know Mm -hmm. i love hearing about people's really great experiences and things that worked for people Mm -hmm. well we don't have a guest so we can't say hey where, are you, where can we find you online? Ryan, where can we find you and what kind of stuff are you up to? <laughs> oh, this is Let's awkward. Let's plug ourselves. Let's plug Let's ourselves. Let's plug ourselves. All right, fine. All right. Hey. We put in the work here. You can find- Ryan, yeah. what are you up to and where can people find you? Hey, you can find me online at Lord Neptune on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at, at, on lordneptune.com to get to my various projects. Um, I am working on Chimera RPG, which is a Powered by the Apocalypse game where we actually, quote unquote, blend genres together. Uh, which is very applicable to one of our points here uh, today. And it's they, you can find uh, that at Chimera RPG online. Uh, and there's also an audio drama that I'm working on at Side Heroes Pod on Twitter. So a uh, lot of fun stuff. This is why you don't have time for your journaling. I know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> How about yourself, Amelia? Where can people find you online and what are you interested in? I mean, what are you currently doing? (laughs) (laughs) Right now or in general? Uh, I am on Twitter at Ginger Reckoning. And my other podcast, Garbage of the Five Rings, that I do with my friend Jude Vase, where we dig into the old AEG era lore of Legend of the Five Rings and are just not very nice to it. Uh, You can find that show at at G5R Podcast on Twitter or at GarbageOfTheFiveRings.com. We're such good hosts slash guests. Yeah, we are. Well, Ryan, thanks for joining us. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Amelia. This was great. Yeah, thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks for having me, too. We'll be back next week. All right. Take care, everyone. Character Evolution Cast. Like Character Creation Cast is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network and can be found online at www.charactercreationcast.com. Head to the website to get more information on our hosts and guests, or even find some of our character sheets. Character Creation Cast can be found on Twitter at CreationCast. I'm one of your hosts, Amelia Antrim, and I can be found on Twitter at Ginger Reckoning. Our other host, Ryan Bolter, can be found on Twitter at Lord Neptune. Music for this episode is used with a Creative Commons license or with permission from the podcast it originated from. Further information can be found within the show notes. This episode was edited by Amelia Antrim. Further information for today's guest can also be found in the show notes. Thanks for joining us. And remember, we find that the best part of any role-playing game is character creation. So go out there and create some amazing people. We'll see you next time. Now we gotta read some show blurbs. Show blurbs. Show blurbs. Show blurbs. Show blurbs. 
Character Creation Cast is hosted by the OneShot Podcast Network. If you enjoyed our show, visit OneShotPodcast.com, where you'll find other great shows like Asians Represent. Asians Represent celebrates Asian creators and diversity in the gaming community. Join hosts Agatha Chain and Daniel Kwan as they discuss gaming, genre, and representation with their guests, and occasionally argue with each other to the sound of Agatha's beloved Airhorn app. Design Doc started as a podcast about designing a role-playing game. Over the years, it's turned into so much more. It's a show about the challenges of burnout, making money from creative projects, and what goes into bringing a game to life. Come along with Hannah and Evan in a living documentation of the game design process. One review described it as the audio equivalent of taking a hike with a good friend. You can search for Design Doc on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.